Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of SB to MD. Today, we're joined, as always, by Frankie and Alexandra, and by a special guest, Isabel Kwan. Isabel is a PhD MD student, and today we explore the challenges of this track, as well as the benefits and opportunities that it offers. So grab your headphones and let's jump in. Isabel, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm currently a second year MD-PhD student. Typically, MD-PhD encompasses the regular four years of med school. And then after you finish your first two years of med school, you'll be doing your PhD. Starting your thesis to finishing your thesis defense typically takes four years. And usually people will come back to med school, finishing the clinical rotation in the third year, and then applying to residency in the fourth year. That is usually how it's being done so basically it's two MD year and then four PhD year and then two MD year it is a longer one but the good thing is that for programs that is funded by NIH it's usually free tuition and they pay you with a stipend so to support your training period because it's quite long per se you covered a little bit of this already but what does the MD PhD track look like how long does it take compared to getting either an MD or a PhD alone So if you are doing it separately, I know that there are people who do PhD that would take like five years and there is a overlapping component as to the normal um, physiology, pathology, histology kind of content. There are also people who does it much faster with their PhD. So for them, it will be like seven years because they're shortening their PhD time. So in that case, it's like a little bit variation here and there. And there are a lot of different programs out there. And each program kind of runs things a little bit differently. So it's more like advisable for people who are interested to check out like each of the program. How do they run it? Like what's the time, average time to graduate? And they usually have those information on their website. Um, that's very interesting. Um, Alex and Frankie, speaking as advisors, do you often recommend this track to students who are looking to go into med school, into the medical field in general? So I think, you know, MD-PhD is a fascinating, and Isabel, I mean, you're just amazing in doing such a long program. That's going to obviously benefit you in terms of, I think for students, there's really two things you need to understand is whether you're more patient-oriented. Obviously, the MD, you kind of also have to do kind of be in the research realm and know about it. A lot of MD-PhDs that I talk to, you know, they're mostly 60% in the laboratory and 40% doing clinical work. So it depends on what you like. If you love science and both patient care and you can make it work and you're very passionate about science, I think MD-PhD is a amazing track for you. If you're maybe a little not so much in that realm, you know, an MD is potentially for you. So I think you have to kind of see where you're at. So obviously not everyone's going to do MD-PhD like Isabel, obviously. It's a case-to-case basis. I'm sure Isabel can tell you how different it is and the challenges that, you know, MD-PhD students face as well. As Isabel mentioned, the shortest that you'll probably get it to is seven years uh, of med school and PhD, and if not the eight. I personally couldn't risk, you know, not graduating from med school until I was in my mid-30s and then doing residency and not doing anything until I was like almost 40. But some students who go straight through definitely have a much faster track. 
they'd be graduated from medical school basically at the same point in their life as I would be just entering residency. The one thing that I would make sure that my students would know is just to make sure that it's a lot of time commitment, make sure that they know that these seven or eight years are going to be long. Things are different from med school, like things might be paid for, things like that, but just to make sure that they have to really consider what they're getting themselves into before they just jump into it. And it's not just research. That's the big thing. You can do ten, plenty of research when you're in med school. So, Isabel, what made you want to do the MD-PhD track? Is it kind of what, like Alex was saying, about like the passion for science, passion for like clinical care, like a joint passion between the two? And then for Alex and Frankie, Frankie touched upon it a little bit when talking when he talked about your gap years. Um, but what made you think that just doing the MD was the right track for you? So for me, I really enjoy doing research myself. I try to like find out, okay, whether or not I really enjoy doing bench research. And that is the kind of like three years that I spent during my gap years at NIH trying to find that out. And the benefit of like working at NIH is that I can see in like clinical setting where clinicians are using drugs that's on clinical trial a lot of the time. And then like on the other side of the campus, I would get to the lab and talk to my PI, talk to them about what I seen in the clinic with the doctors that I'm shadowing and what kind of dilemmas are they facing? Are they seeing that the drug is not effective because it's not getting to the tumor or is it like doing a bunch of like random damage to like normal healthy tissues? So then I can bring these questions back into the lab right away and immediately thinking about new animal experiments that I can do to like answer those questions. And those are the things that like you really seeing it when you were in the COVID-19 pandemic, the, the reason that the vaccine is coming out so quickly is because of these like very tightly collaborative setting where the physician are really getting the clinical data. What are they seeing after the patient are being vaccinated? And then immediately taking them back to the lab. What are we seeing in the mice that we infected with COVID-19? And can we like encapsulate it so that we can deliver the mRNA vaccines? So like it has to be work very synergistically and I enjoy that kind of like efficiency. And I agree totally with what Alex said about like it depends on the person because for me I also can't imagine myself not seeing patients. But at the same time, I also don't want to like see patients all the time. I want to have the intellectual capacity to think about questions and seeing it that is taking an effect in my patient that really brings me joy. So again, that is what coherent with Alex's idea that it really depends on the person. So to talk a little bit about my decision on why I chose the MD track. So as I think I mentioned potentially before, I used to do research in a, a lab at Harvard for undergrad and they knew that I was going to be applying to medical school and I got a lot of recommendation from my PI and things like that. And they mentioned at the end that I should consider doing an MD PhD because while I was doing research with, you know, butterflies and Lepidoptera in general, they actually mentioned that I could probably go down the pathology route and then study vectors and organisms that infect humans and go down that, that route of PhD. 
um, and do an MD PhD. And I actually considered it for a little bit. I went home and kind of did some research. At the time, I was a senior, so I knew that I was taking at least one gap year. But I didn't know that COVID was about to hit and that I'd have to take a second gap year. So what went into my decision was I started realizing that I think I was going to be eight years from that point until I finally actually graduated. And I think the big thing that I saw was that I wasn't going to be seeing patients as often as I probably wanted to. I'm on the side where I think I do need to see patients more often to feel self-fulfilling with the work. And that's a big thing for those of you out there who are considering an MD-PhD or any other type of degree. So you could do an MD-JD, like a law degree. You could do an MD-Masters, which the Masters might not influence much of um, your practice. You could do tons of different routes. And depending on which one you do, either you might just practice like a normal physician and see patients every day, or you might end up being, you know, 50-50 in the lab, 50-50 in the office, 50-50 in a skyscraper in New York City practicing law versus 50-50, you know, a hospital, that kind of thing. It's really for each person to make their decision. And that's why I think after I, I looked into it and saw that part, I think I made the decision to go empty. And I think I made the right decision because after COVID started and things like that, I ended up getting a job in a pathology lab of all places. And I think I enjoyed my time in the pathology lab where those pathologists are there full time. They're there, you know, the five days a week or on call on the weekends, and they're still getting to see, you know, the vector organisms, things like that, whatever might be infecting humans. And they're seeing it on slides, things like that, getting getting to interact with um, the physicians on a daily basis. So it's really a personal decision. No, that's great. Like, I really think it's interesting to see the different paths and different thought processes you guys have. So in the last episode, we talked about resumes and we went into more detail about the medical school application process. So how is the MD-PhD application different? How is it the same? Are they different at all? Yeah, in general, it's much longer, which that calls for a lot of resilience to finish the application because not just that you have to kind of touch a little bit on the kind of research that you're thinking in your personal statement, you have to also answer that why MD-PhD on a separate essays. And then furthermore, when you are doing your secondaries, for each school, you will want to look for some PIs that you're interested in working with, some of the unique resources that that institute offers. Like, for example, Stony Brook is really strong with, like, biochemistry, like, cancer biology. And they have a lot of collaboration going on with Cold Spring Harbor and the Brookhaven um, Laboratory. So they are also strong in structural biology, like, dealing with pharmacology per se. So for each of the school, you do have to do your due diligence to do your research, understanding what kind of strength, because eventually you're going to have to also answer it on the spot of the interview, you wanted to know a little bit who are the, the PI and also the people. So you have to consistently like talk to the current students, making sure that that is the environment that you really want to put yourself in. Because in the end of the day, you're going to spend like almost a decade in the same area. So you really wanted to figure out that, okay, is the school right for me? Is the location right for me? Am I going to be super homesick? So there's a lot of things that goes into the application. But I would say that the main thing is 
one is gonna take a lot longer. So I advise to start like ultra early. And secondly, do some research. Not that I'm saying that you just read through like some of the basic informations, but also look at who are you interested working with. And a lot of the time, people who are applying to MDPH, which they probably already do, is that they are attending like a number of seminar. So when you are attending like seminars, you get to know the speaker from that institute. Then you will know a little bit more. So instead of like doing that research like online, which can be boring for you, sometimes attending just the seminar themselves, you can build your connection. You can know that institute a little bit much faster and more efficiently. So those are the ways that I will recommend start early and do your research. So I think you know obviously MD PhD like Isabel said start earlier if you're going to start early for med school applications even more earlier in for MD PhDs. Another way is like Isabel said go to these seminars, meetings, any webinars with any program directors. Put yourself out there and listen to others because they have I might be saying something, someone else might come and say something, and you'll just gather so much knowledge just from listening from other people. And if you're in a room with people who are smarter than you and just have more knowledge about a certain topic, you're going to grow a lot from that. So don't be afraid. Like I go to a conference on cancer biology once a year, and I sit there and I'm probably not even anywhere close to the PhDs that are in the room. But as I listen to all these, you know, ideas and everything, I mean, I'm just mind blown by their ideas. And in the process, I consequentially grow in my knowledge about that and how people think and everything. So always surround yourself with people who have a little bit more knowledge, more experience, and you can grow on that. And that's how you grow. So it just happened that I'm also the local chapter president for American Physician Scientists Association at Stony Brook. And another thing that we have been getting involved in in terms of the national level is that we have like a series of interacting workshops where we will give like literally like all the information that ever you have to know, including finding your research when you're in undergrad, whether or not you should do your gap year, applying to MD-PhD program, and about all the things in the interviews, interviewing with current people, and also the program director, preparing for step one. It's a very long training, so we have like, so much resources just to help support people figuring out their ways. Some of them are pre-recorded. If you're wanting to attend a live session, which it will comes in like every month as well, you are welcome to do that too, to be successful in the like application process and like the pursuits. So we mentioned before how med school is kind of broken up into like you have the first two years, the PhD, and then the last two years. So how does the timeline for the MD-PhD program change compared to just the MD program in terms of when you're taking tests, when you're doing other things that most people who are just doing the MD program do? So I would say that there's several hills to climb. The first one is common for everyone, which is like 
getting started in the med school, knowing your study habits, but also for MD-PhD, when you are getting into the med school, you have to start thinking, whose lab am I interested in? What area do I want to like build my PhD around? So that's the first one. And then the second one comes as the second transition, which is when you finishing your second year of med school, and then you have to take something called step. And step one is mostly less about clinical. So most people will take it before their PhD and therefore like hence this transitioning from the MD to the PhD and also like you have to decide which lab that you are interested in doing in your PhD so that is like firm and set and of course like each of these transitions is gonna bring you so much anxiety as it's bringing it to me in a couple months when I take my step so we have very specific like MD PhD big little kind of matching where there's always gonna be like the upperclassmen trying to tell us what is going to occur for our upcoming year how do we do with this transitions what kind of resources do we need for example the way to study is that one most people use you world like how do we do it fastest so that we can at least have a little vacation before we go back to research so things and little twitch like this like we kind of pass on that knowledge kind of linear fashions and then the third transition is when going out from the PhD program and now you have to going back to clinic because most people were gonna forget everything that they learned from the first two years of med school so we have to relearn everything and that is another hill to climb because like how do we compress everything and then we have to get ready and see patients again that is like a very long hiatus so we have to be ready for that and then right afterwards specifically for MD-PhD people, we apply to a residency specialized for physician scientists, which is called PSTP programs. But then like to prepare ourselves for PSTP program, there's other things that we have to consider because when they're interviewing us, they're not only interviewing for a resident, they're interviewing for a faculty, they're interviewing for someone that eventually might be having a lab next door. There's another set of requirements that we have to be prepared for and again these things a lot of the time is kind of bring along from the knowledge of our upperclassmen so I couldn't stress about wearing all these transitioning at this point but just have a basic idea is that you're gonna have a lot of transition and some of the little requirements is gonna be very specific to you as a physician scientist and not to like all the MDs but there's always gonna be helps like as long as you ask as long as you seek for those help that is going to be help in your local community in the bigger national organization like AXA and you can always talk to your program directors and reach out when you are in like an MDPhD conference so those are like the things that I would consider when like I'm going through this long training so hopefully it's gonna be helpful yeah, that's actually uh, super helpful. Frankie, did you want to say something? Yeah, just to add a small snippet, depending where you end up deciding to go to school, where you end up going to med school, if you decide to just do the MD, some schools do allow you to try to transfer into an MD-PhD program. I know Stony Brook, I believe, is at capacity, so there's almost like a wait list just to try to get into the MD-PhD program. But depending on which school you get into, if there weren't slots taken or if there were students that ended up taking years off, so now they have an opening, things like that, you might be able to 
transfer into an MD-PhD program. So if you end up going to med school and you, you get moved with all the research you do and you end up thinking, I want to do some research into this. I want to take a few years and actually like figure out this answer of why certain drugs are treating certain patients in, you know, in different ways. You can actually try to see if you can transfer into the MD-PhD program. Oh, awesome. You guys keep answering questions before I can even ask them. That's fantastic. So what kind of benefits does having both an MD and PhD together provide? Um, what kind of job opportunities are available for that track as opposed to one or the other? So I would say that for MD, PhD, they usually have a clear skill sets of um, doing research. And when I talk about research, it can be like a numerous amount of different areas. For example, if you're good at bioengineering, you can go into biotech. You can consult like on the patient bedside, run clinical trial while you do your little experiment in the company's building. So that's one. A lot of the time these days, a lot of people are considering in biotech right now, given like the industry is kind of booming and on the other hand you can stay in the academia too you can work in the academic medical center where you will see patients teach like fellows about certain procedures about your latest inventions or latest drug that you found out and trying to like incorporate it as you're seeing patient as you're teaching and then on the other side of the things of course you're doing research let's say if you're in pharmacology, then you will be trying to get a new drug. Another flip side of the coin is that physician scientists tend to have like such a great flexibility because you are having the skills of seeing patients and also you are having the skills of doing research, doing experiments. A lot of people, as they move through their careers, they tend to change things a little bit because in your early training, you might be wanting to see more patients and then building that clinical knowledge very solidly. And then then as you're doing much better now, then you might want to like limit the amount of time and trying to secure more funding and spend more time in lab or spend more time teaching. So it gives you the kind of a time commitments that is relatively flexible and up to your own choice. Basically, I'm not saying freedom, but to some extent, that is the flexibility that we can afford. And it really comes down to your personal lives as well, because as you are moving through this training, moving through this career, you're thinking about establishing a family, you're thinking about maybe relocating to another city, taking care of your um, parents and so on. So that puts a little personal constraint as to how you would want to your career to unfold. So those are like the couple folds as to how you can decide the career can be light for you, either in like biotech, academia, fully research, fully clinical, it's all up to you. So there's a number of choices. And really, again, it is you who decide what works best for you and for your interests and for your happiness in your life. So what it really sounds like is that the combined experience you get from having both the MD and PhD between clinical and research really opens a lot of doors and opportunities and gives you a much uh, like a very deep knowledge of science and the field in general. So the next question is, in general, what advice do you have for students who are considering an MD slash PhD program? 
I would say that do research. That is just number one because you're doing a PhD program. Like I don't see you can run away from that. But let me emphasize this: labs are gonna be different. Research field are gonna be different. What I would suggest you is that you need to look into: Do you gain that happiness for yourself, that personal satisfaction for yourself, in pursuit of this intellectual pathway? Like because ultimately, if you're doing research and you're not happy, that is a problem when you're doing your PhD. But what I'm saying is also that the environment that you'll be in is gonna be different. You have to understand that is your unhappiness coming from the people in the lab? Is it lab specific, or is it the area, the research area that you're in? Is not happy for you. So the simple question that you need to ask yourself is: Am I happy when I'm doing my research? And once you do, is that if my experience is tremendously happy, is it because of this intellectual pursuit that I'm doing that makes me feel happy? And then the third thing is that you have to kind of relate yourself to the clinical environment, seeing how this what you found in the lab is gonna be ultimately used by someone. In the clinic, in the clinician's side, and does that derive happiness for you? So find your mentors, find very good mentors for yourself. Make sure that you're surrounding yourself with positive message because I have had both. I have had people who are super supportive for me doing MD PhD. There are also people who gives me、um, alternative opinions. So. If you are set on this path, then you have to find great supporters, like people who can advocate for you. So those are the two things: decide whether research is for you, and how is it relating to your clinical side of your interest. Secondly, find your supporter. Don't get frustrated because you can get frustrated like in the future too, because it's already very long. Thank you so much for sharing your advice, Isabel. I feel like you offered a very wise perspective on the MD PhD track. It isn't a track that is as widely talked about as the MD track. So thank you for sharing your knowledge. Thank you, Alex and Frankie, for coming on again and giving us your advice as well. Thank you to everyone for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of SB to MD. A huge thanks, as always, to Frankie and Alex, and to Isabel for giving us a peek into the life of a PhD MD student. Tune in next time for another great episode of SB to MD.